Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. I hope you are having a good day so far in this, this more, it is kind of a rainy, gross day here. And we've got the Sahara dust coming. Uh, I've been getting notes from my doctor and whatnot that I'm probably gonna have to use an inhaler something this week, the way my lungs are with this stuff. My wife too, uh, going to be miserable over the weekend. Apparently very, very sandy, dusty, uh, but that's okay. It's all part of nature. Mother nature seems to be on a, on a roll these days, the phone number. Well, you know, I can't give you the phone number right now. We're, we're having some phone issues, uh, and, uh, we will, we will get to the phones as soon as I can. Uh, I want to start with the virus because the virus is suddenly big news again. And please do understand this out of the gate. Your reaction is probably like my reaction that, oh, it's news again because they can use it to hurt the president. Well, yes, but uh, it actually California has seen a 70 percent increase in cases in the last two days. Uh, It is off the chains in Georgia at this point, although Georgia is not one of the 14 states New York is banning. Uh, New York and New Jersey are ordering people who come in from 14 states, including Texas, Arizona, Uh, Florida, California, and and some others to self-quarantine. Now, let me give you the numbers in Georgia that are troubling to people. On the 15th, we had 1,409 cases. Now, I predicted to you this would go down. It was at 1,357 cases two days ago. It's gone up to 1,409 cases. On the 16th, 1,379 cases. On the 17th, 1,371 cases. On the 18th, 1,271 cases. On the 19th, 945. And uh, then on the 20th, which was a weekend, 552 that has low testing. Uh, And they're expecting those numbers to increase uh, pretty significantly. Uh, The the rolling average, we've got a big spike in those cases. Now, here's what what we need to understand. Uh, Be more educated than your next-door neighbor on this. You and I both assume this would be protesters, and some protesters have tested positive. But by and large, uh, through the contact tracing program in the state, we know why this spike is so big. Uh, The spike is big for two big reasons. One, people who went out of state for Memorial Day weekend and came back. They went to the beaches in Florida and, and South Carolina and Alabama. But then, two, the pattern and practice of the people who are getting infected it is younger people who have been going to parties. Restaurants and bars are spreading the virus, not the protests, believe it or not. Uh, now, there are some exceptions to the rule. In Charleston, South Carolina, for example, they've had a huge increase in the virus from people who protested. All of the people who got the virus who participated in the protest were going indoors to activities indoors. It appears that the outdoor activities are the problem. So, for example, the people who were going to the beach in South Carolina, Florida, Alabama, going down to Gulf Shores and the like, uh, they weren't getting the virus by going to the beach. They were getting the virus by going to the bars and restaurants. So understand that that's where the virus is spreading. It's if you're doing recreational activities, but your recreational activities are outside, you tend to not be getting the virus. One of the key exceptions to this, based on what I'm being told from public health officials, are uh, the pontoon boats. You're scratching your head. The pontoon boats. What the heck's wrong with, well, the pontoon boats, the kids on Lake Lanier or uh, Toposofsky in Macon or Sinclair or Oconee or Lake Burton or Lake Rabin, they're going out on pontoon boats with all of their friends and they're having parties on the boats 
and they're spreading the virus amongst themselves on these boats in close confines uh, on the water. That appears to be one of the issues that they're tracing from younger people, younger people out having a good time on, on their boats and then going to bars and restaurants and hanging out at houses and having pool parties. That appears to be the big situation. You're not getting it by being outside per se, but when you're, you got 10 people piled onto a pontoon boat together, drinking and having a good time. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. You you can't be drinking and boating in Georgia. Right. Um, this appears to be the problem. It's not protesters. It actually tends to be predominantly, I mean, the good news is if we're all concerned about race these days, the predominant number of people getting the virus right now are all a bunch of white millennials and, and, and Gen Zers, uh, who've been going out. They've been going to parties. They've been going out on, on, uh, summer vacation, Memorial day, enjoying their summer. They're getting Now there is good news. Uh, there is good news. Because we know where the virus is coming from, we know how to curtail it rather quickly. Uh, the, the parties need to wind down. The crowds need to wind down. Uh, restaurants and bars are going to be impacted somewhat negatively here, I'm afraid. Uh, but we do know where the virus is coming from. We do know how the virus is being transmitted. We do know the cases where it's coming from and the areas of the state where it's coming from. The metro area in Georgia, uh, in the Atlanta area, is also being hit in minority communities that have begun traveling again to see family. So people who have gone, for example, to Mexico and come back are spreading the virus in the Gwinnett County area. Uh, you've got uh, tra- business travelers are picking up the virus. They're not getting it in the airports and they're not getting it on the airplanes. They're getting it in their destinations and bringing it back. That too is a problem. You've got to be careful out there. Uh, you you got to be careful with what you're doing. Wear a mask in public and and you'll you'll kill the you'll kill the virus. We're we're seeing this around the country right now, or around the world rather, of people who are doing this now. You know, I've kept my eye, for instance, on um, on Habersham County uh, up in Clarksville. Because, you know, I went up to Clarksville. I did a Chamber of Commerce event up there, and, and people were kind of all together uh, in, in a big facility and a lot of people standing outside, which was good. And you got a place like Habersham County up there where you've got four confirmed cases. And the rolling average there, the, the trajectory is going down in a place like Habersham County. Uh, which is good. In the Floyd County area, though, the, the trend lines are not good for the virus. In Floyd County, the virus is continuing to increase. The You've got a your high watermark for cases. June 2nd was 18 cases. June 8th was 16 cases. Um, but it's been, it, it, it looks like it may be getting better there as well. What about Clark County? Clark County is always an interesting one. Uh, given college kids there, yeah, see, Clark County is 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 kind of plateaued. But then you get to a place like Gwinnett County here in Georgia. Gwinnett County, the most populous county in Georgia now, it is just a rocket ship. I mean, the record high for Gwinnett County hasn't made it into the moving average yet. 211 confirmed cases. It's just a very high trajectory in Gwinnett County. Uh, Gwinnett County is doing uh, worse than Fulton County. Uh, Fulton County is the metro Atlanta area where the protests were. It's not doing well. Hall County, uh, the the Gainesville area is actually doing very well. Uh, let's see. Let let's get up to. Uh, let me do one more here. Um, I want to do Pickens County. Pickens County uh, is not doing well. Pickens County now. Pickens County, in the grand scheme of things, they're not having a ton of cases. Five new cases on June eighth, but the trajectory is an increase in Pickens County. Uh, these are not good things. Uh, and if you wear a mask and you limit yourself in crowds, you will actually mitigate the virus. The virus will begin to wind down and we'll all be better off. 
Uh, but people don't want to wear a mask. They think it is a um, they, they think somehow it's an incursion into their rights, uh, even though they will um, they will complain about all sorts of other stuff. I, 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 I'm trying to find this video because, yes, here, here's the video. I want to play this video. Um, there is a in Palm Beach County, Florida. They want to mandate that people wear masks. Have you all seen this video? This is one of the people who showed up who was against wearing masks. They're having a public hearing on a possible measure in Palm Beach County, Florida to block people from wearing or to to require that people wear masks in public. This is a woman who is opposed and I want to play you her testimony. You literally cannot mandate somebody to wear a mask knowing that that mask is killing people. It literally is killing people. And my, the people, we the people, are waking up and we know what citizen's arrest is because citizen's arrests are already happening, okay? And every single one of you that are obeying the devil's laws are going to be arrested. And you, doctor, are going to be arrested for crimes against humanity. Every single one of you have a smirk behind that little mask but every single one of you are going to get punished by God you cannot you cannot escape God you cannot escape God I'm gonna say that again you cannot escape God not even with the mask or six feet okay six feet like I said before is military protocol you're trying to get the people to train them so when the the cameras the 5g comes out what they're, they're gonna they're gonna scan everybody. We gotta get scanned. We gotta get temperatured. The kids have to go to school with masks. Are you insane? Are you crazy? I think all of you should be in a psych ward right the heck now because none of you, none of you know what the hell you are all talking about. This is insane. And then you want to open this meeting with a prayer to God. Are you praying to the devil? Because God is not listening to that prayer because all of you are practicing the devil's laws. What happened to Bill Gates? Why is he not in jail? Why is Hillary Clinton not in jail? Why are all of all of these pedophiles that are demanding you all to, to listen to their rules? Why are they not in jail? Oh, is it because you're part of them? Thank are you, you part of the deep Your state? Time has exp- are you part of the deep state? This is an anti-mask activist in Palm Beach, Florida, discrediting all the people who have legitimate concerns about masks, mind you. Um, the conspiracy people are coming out of the woodwork saying, you know, I gotta say, I, I gotta say, the double standard from the press has not helped the cause of those who have legitimate concerns about wearing masks. Having the media ridicule and attack protesters who wanted to reopen businesses and saying that if you protest, you're going to get sick. And then uh, less than a month later, having Black Lives Matters protesters come out and the media cheering them on, egging them on, encouraging them, giving them attaboys, uh, showed a clear double standard in the media. It's really hard for people to believe the media when the media is taking sides that blatantly. So when you hear the media telling people to wear a mask, of, of course you're going to say, uh, why should I believe you? Because you can't believe the press these days. You you flat out cannot believe members of the media what they say because uh, they have taken a side. They are picking winners and losers. Um, I I am I'm I'm 
I'm on the side of wear a mask in public. But, you know, it also comes with some caveats, too. Uh, it, it, when we, when I say wear a mask, you know, I, I've been out. I got caught the other day. I told you a woman at Panera Bread asking why I wouldn't wear a mask. Because there's nobody there. There was nobody there. Uh, why wear a mask in a location where there's nobody there? When I go to the gym, I'm not going to wear a mask. Everybody at the gym is socially distanced. Uh, they're not running the air conditioners. The doors are open to let air in. They got fans running. I'm not going to wear a mask. Uh, it just, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. But you do need some precautions. Uh, you do need to take precautions. You need to wear, wear a mask. Here's another anti-mask uh, person. For, what is it about Florida? What is in the water with Florida? Maybe it is 5G in Florida. Here's one more. And I just, on, on, at the end, I don't wear a mask for the same reason I don't un, wear underwear. Things gotta breathe. <laughs> okay. Wow. These are the people. Um, I, I wonder if her name was Karen. Uh, the, these are the people who don't want you to wear a mask. Do you want to be with those? Do you want to be with the 5G Bill Gates conspiracy theorists or the people who want you to wear a mask? It shouldn't be political, but good Lord, as I said yesterday, it has become, it has become political. Everybody is, has, has fallen into politics here. Uh, and all they want to do is, is prevent the virus from spreading. You know, Disney is thinking it's going to have to re, uh, delay opening the parks. They're going to open the parks. July 1st, they're pushing back plans for Disney World and Disneyland because of the viral outbreaks. They may not open this year at all. And in California, they're thinking they may have to go on a lockdown again. All people have to do is be responsible. And, you know, here's the here's the last point I, I want to make on this because I, I don't want to sound like a broken record on this. Our good governance requires responsibility from the citizenry. And when you can't do the right thing, a lot of people look and say, hey, we really need a heavy-handed government. Your freedom and liberty depends also on your responsibility in, in exercising common sense. And when you don't, you embolden the nanny state people who want a more aggressive government to demand that the government control you. And that in and of itself is a problem, and it's something we all need to be mindful of. All you got to do is when you go into, don't go into a crowd. But if you do go into a crowd, put a mask on and everything will be okay. National Connections, local focus. Eric Erickson is live every weekday. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Man, have y'all seen the, the it, Doug Collins yesterday? Uh, went viral on Twitter, and it was the left attacking him. And why did the left attack him? Well, Doug Collins had the audacity to point out that this latest whistleblower from the Department of Justice has ties to the Democrats. Mr. Elias, you consider yourself to be non-political career staff. That was your statement, correct? When I go into the Justice Department every day, as a career employee, I leave my politics at home, yes. Okay, and that was the same as Mr. Zelensky, Strzok, Mr. Strzok, Ms. Page, others have done that. Let me ask you a question. As a career staff uh, being non-political, did you ever attempt to get detail to this committee's majority staff? Um, I, like yes or no. people over time, have explored various career options. Did you, within the last, under this majority, ask to be detailed to this majority staff? 
Um, I had a very preliminary conversation with. Uh, you, so you did have a conversation. Yep. Was it to work on antitrust policy? Uh, it was, yes. Okay, and as we have all sworn under oath here, in fact, did you not ask to be detailed to the committee's work on oversight during impeachment? Is that not correct? Refresh your memory. I, I may have also asked for oversight at one point with, with the blessing of assistant attorney. Okay, so you asked to come to this committee. As a career, as a career staffer, non-political career staffer, you were asking to be detailed to this committee to work on impeachment. You wanted to come work for the majority during the impeachment of Donald Trump. Is that not correct? If not, if, yeah, I understand how that answer would be troubling. So if you want to just stop right there. You <laughs> yes. So to review... A whistleblower came forward from the Department of Justice, a career staffer in the Department of Justice who came forward to say that uh, Bill Barr, the attorney general, is not a nice man and is politicizing things. And it turns out that this career staffer who wanted to be considered nonpartisan wanted to work for the Democrats uh, during impeachment on the committee that would oversee impeachment. Yes. Uh, so the left lit up Doug Collins yesterday on social media for daring to highlight that. The, the, the left is livid with Doug Collins. I mean, they, they wanted to dox him and do all sorts of things yesterday uh, for daring to get the guy to it. And the guy didn't want to admit it. I mean, you, you could hear it. He did not want to admit it. He, he didn't want to come forward and, and say that. And now even Christopher Ray is coming forward, the FBI director, uh, saying he had concerns about the Mike Flynn situation. Decisions about producing documents in a criminal prosecution are typically handled by the prosecutors. Um, I will say that, of course, the Flynn investigation, which took place before I started, and then by the time I started, was in the hands of the special counsel's office, uh, is something that has, in my view, raised serious concerns and questions, which is why I ordered an after-action review by our inspection division to take a look at whether or not the FBI's policies and procedures need to be changed, and if there are any current employees left who uh, may bear any responsibility for misconduct. Yeah, uh, there are all sorts of problems at the FBI. Uh, and we're seeing now more and more like the the uh, struck and page and all that, that there was some partisanship involved. Uh, you can certainly read that the Obama administration, including Joe Biden, was involved in the Mike Flynn situation. And uh, we, we, we all sorts of issues, all sorts of issues there. And I do have to say uh, there is one aspect of the there's one aspect of the left's criticism of the DOJ getting rid of the Flynn stuff that, that does, you need to recognize there's one valid point to it. That if the administration can cancel investigations against its allies, the next administration can too. But if you already believe that the Obama administration uh, ran interference for its allies, then uh, there's no reason. And going back to the Clinton days, and the Clinton Justice Department turning a blind eye to stuff from the Clinton administration, 
even under Janet Reno, who who would trot out these special prosecutors, but still would would turn some things away that probably should have been investigated. I mean, Republicans have long expected that the Democrats politicize the Justice Department. The media never seemed to care until Donald Trump decided to do exactly what the Democrats have been doing. Um, So there is that. Uh, Keep that precedent in mind. Coming up, well... We got a long way to go today. We got a lot of stuff, including the casino legislation. I'll bring you an update on that. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. Boy, am I about to shift gears radically from what I had intended to talk about. Uh, I'm going to go in a completely different direction. Uh, the phone number, if you want to be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Uh, a buddy of mine just sent me this. I believe, I, I don't know where this is from. I, I don't know where it is from. Um, Breitbart got the video. This is an exchange between uh, police officers. There are about five police officers and one uh, white protester. Uh, you have a black police officer and a white police officer who are engaging with the protester. This is somewhat hard to hear, uh, but you, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta try. Let me pause there. He, he, the white officer says his black wife is calling him, and, and the white protester says, just because you have a black friend or black wife doesn't mean you can't be racist. It has nothing to do with your acquaintances. Do with your So the police officers start walking away from crazy lady, Karen, and well, the black police officer decides he's going to go engage her. officer witnessing to this protester i'm i'm sure he'll be charged with a hate crime um i want to talk about this 
I'm putting this on Twitter right now so you can see it. It really is amazing. Uh, you know, I've been thinking about this. I got to write a syndicated column today. <sighs> Hang on. You know, I don't mean to get preachy on this program, and, and two days in a row is, is too much even for me, but I'm going to. I want to. Where is it? Hang on. Let me find it. Here we go. This is Paul writing in Romans. Chapter 8. We know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in the hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts know what is in the minds of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work for good, for those who are called according to his purposes. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? All creation groans. Now, there are a lot of people out there who they've got all sorts of end times predictions and prophecies and, oh, look at the protests and look at the earthquakes and look at the volcanoes and look at the virus. This must be the end times. You know, the people in World War One thought the same thing. The world was at war. A virus was spreading. Uh, 50 million people would be killed from the Spanish flu. They thought the end times was upon them as well. All, crea all creation has been groaning. We ourselves groaning. We're a part of creation. God created all things. So, so if all things groan, awaiting the return, then we too would groan. And I just, I'm, I don't want to get out there on a limb. But I, I, I want to say this. Everyone, everyone has a voice in their head. Everyone does. Now, you know, there are people who they actually can't think to themselves. They can't think quietly. You know, I have an ongoing inner conversation with myself where my mouth isn't moving, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking things through in complete sentences. There are actually people out there who can't do that. I had no idea, but there are people out there who they don't have inner voices, but, but like of themselves, of their conscience, but every single person because we all have a soul. There is an inner, if not a voice, a longing, a desire to know. Why are we here? What is our purpose? And every day that goes by, we get closer 
to the apocalypse. That's what Paul is writing about here. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Revealing, that's the, the apocalypto, apocalo. I, I forget the exact word, but a revealing. Apocalypse is not an end, it is a revealing. And every day we get closer to the apocalypse, we get closer to the revealing, we get closer to the second coming, so the groaning gets louder. The voice in your head gets louder. The, the, your conscience gets louder. Why are we here? What is our purpose? What is going on with the world? And part of me thinks that the reason you have so many millennial and Gen Z people in the streets marching now demanding justice is because there's a part of them that knows that there's something wrong with the world. The world is disordered in some way, but they don't have language to it. And so the language has been co-opted by those who have flat out rejected faith in God and have embraced faith in worldliness. They, they believe there is nothing more and their job is to bring heaven to earth. But a heaven on earth co-ops the language of heaven because we're all made in God's image. So the word choices we use and the passions that draw out the spirit in us are all based on things that were indwelled in us because we're made in the image of God. And they just direct it in, in a wrong way. But but the longing, the protesting in the streets, the, the, the rioting, the clamoring for justice, the clamoring for righteousness, it's all something that all of us have in us. What is our purpose? To, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But the world says, no, it's to enjoy the world forever. There's nothing beyond the world. Pay no attention to that longing in your voice. There, We all have an inner voice that says, I'm meant for something greater than this. And the world tells you, no, no, you're, you're just, you're going to die. The worms will eat you. People will for, eventually forget you, but it's the circle of life. And, and that's not really true. And we know that's not true. And your inner voice knows that's not true. And when you're a kid, that's why kids are so open to the idea that there must be a higher power. There must be a higher being because kids hear the voice more clearly than those who get older. And they've been wrecked by society and society's put down on them. The kids hear the voice clearly. The kids can hear the voice that there is something there. And you get into your teens and you get into your 20s and there's been that voice saying, there's more. And the world tells you, no, there's not. And you have the voice that tells you there's something more and the world that tells you, no, there's not. And you have to reconcile them. And the voice that tells you there's something more tells you there's justice. The voice that tells you there's something more, there's justice, tells you we live in a fallen world. There, there's sin. And when the world tells you there's nothing, but your, your soul tells you there's more and there's justice, and you hear these voices on the outside and say, well, the job is to bring you this heaven on earth here, then the religion that is true is the religion that is co-opted and the religion that is twisted that tries to help you find the heaven on earth. All these people are doing is they're trying to find salvation. They're lost in a world that tells them there's nothing more. They're lost in a world that tells them it's bleak, that it's a cold, dark universe. The world tilts a few more degrees on its axis, you, you, you're dead. The world moves out of its orbit a few thousand more miles. We freeze to death or we burn up. In fact, the, the burn up is coming because of global warming. The people have polluted the world. We're all going to die unless you do something, and, uh, unless you claim your salvation. And the only way to claim your salvation is to shut up the other side. But that's not true. 
and they hear the voice, they hear the longing, and it groans louder. Every day that goes by is a day we get closer to that revelation, to that apocalypse, to that second coming. And so the groaning gets louder, and, and the groaning through the centuries has gotten louder, and justice cries out, and, and something must be done. And now we've got these protesters in the streets of this country, many of whom, by the way, have been left by the wayside by the economy because the, the millennials and Gen Z have had worse economies than their parents. The promise of America has always been that the next generation will have it better than the preceding generation and now it doesn't seem to be true and they hear all of these things and they're trying to figure out what's going on why am i getting the short end of the stick and the groaning gets louder as we get closer and so they're acting out in the street here comes a police officer to this girl who's got her entire systematic theology working out in her head right now that there is systemic racism and it's because of white people. White people are the sin. And he says, no, the whole world is full of sin. We have injustice and racism because the world has fallen and you need Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and the girl can't hear it. And he's giving her the truth. He's witnessing to her on the street. He's a police officer, black police officer to a white girl who thinks she knows better than him and wants to lecture him on racism. And it's the confused mumbling of a girl who has heard the inner voice that there must be something more and has fallen into a world of despair that gives her no hope. And that's part of the problem here. These people are lacking in hope. Not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. And all this girl on the street can do is she can see, she she doesn't hope, she doesn't, she can feel the groaning. It's growing in her, the sense of injustice, the sense that there's something wrong with the world, but it's been focused on the things that can be seen. And because it's focused on the things that can be seen, there's no hope there. Who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And her patience has grown out because she does not hope for it, because she cannot see it. And the voice keeps calling from within her that there's something there and the world keeps co-opting it. And this is where the church continues to fail because the church continues in our advance in our conversations in society to just put up a moral system and say, this is a better moral system. This is the way God set it out. And we leave out the other part, the most important part. You cry out for justice and you groan for something better because your body knows, your soul knows, the whole world knows something better is coming back. Because real faith is not a better moral system. Real faith is in a man who is a God who is to return And the days are winding down. We don't know when the day will come, but we know it's coming. And we know that the people who are outraged or the people who, like the rest of us, feel that something is off. Everyone can feel that something is off. And we feel it more as the day draws near. We groan more as the day draws closer to us. And those of you who who go out into the world and say, well, you, you need to adopt our ways as people of faith because we have a better system, we have a better way, 
Well, yes, but don't leave out the rest of the story. The reason you feel that injustice is because you're made in the image of a God who is going to return and you need to get on his side before he returns because by then it'll be too late. But you can do it. But we all groan for injustice, for justice, against injustice. Because we're all made in the image of God. Creation itself cries out for justice. That's what these people are doing. They know there's something wrong. They've got the voice. They're hearing the voice. The voice has gotten louder in all of us. We all know there's something just profoundly upending in the world right now. The voice gets louder every day because every day gets us one step closer to that revealing moment. And it's up to you and me and others to, to be the voice that responds to that inner longing and says, yes, you're right. There's injustice and there will be justice. And that day is coming. And you're not going to get justice immediately. It's going to take time one step closer to that day. And we can get there together without tearing down statues or upending lives are claiming that because someone made in the image of God is of a certain skin color, that they're bad, or upending world civilization or rejecting the very longing that gave rise to the groaning, which is what a lot of them want to do. They want to reject the voice and just embrace the world, and we need to pull them out of it. National Connections, Local Focus. Eric Erickson is live every weekday. All right, uh, you can't call. Sorry, uh, we've got issues. I won't worry about the phone number, but um, you can listen and you can email me, eric at theresurgent.com. And I actually would like your feedback. I want to play you a clip. You were working for Trump for 17 months and you write about all this horrible stuff you saw go on. And yet you never said a word until someone gave you $2 million to write a book about it. Now, you can redeem yourself in my eyes, if you even care, <laughs> if you testify under oath about the unconstitution, uh, unconstitutional, impossible criminal behavior of this president. Will you do that? Well, look, uh, there are a lot of possibilities coming up. Uh, I, I don't have any fear whatever of testifying under oath uh, because I have set forth in this book as accurately as I can what, what I saw and heard. Uh, there's obviously controversy. I, I know you've commented on it yourself about the impeachment issue. I felt very strongly uh, and still do that the way the impeachment uh, process was carried out was needlessly partisan and doomed to failure. Uh, I didn't march to the same drummer as the Democratic House leadership, and I'm not required to. But my view was that uh, you ha if you're going to get this information out, it had to be done the right way. And the way they were proceeding, I think, would have guaranteed much of what I said in the book simply would have been ignored. So I have the opportunity to interview John Bolton, and I really want to interview the guy. And I, I'm curious about your reaction because because I got questions. John Bolton says he saw all of this bad stuff, and and the Democrats really didn't uh, really wanted to go in a particular direction. Uh, does he really believe if he di if he went behind the scenes and told them what was happening uh, with the Turkey stuff, for example, they wouldn't have gone there? Does he really believe that, 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 I mean, he's telling himself this and he's telling other people this and, and 
I just I, I got a problem with this, and, and uh, it's I'm someone who's always liked, admired, and respected John Bolton, and he keeps his mouth shut until he can make two million dollars, and he says all of this stuff was terrible, and he he stayed the whole time, and I feel like conservatives who who have cheered this guy on for years that we should get answers from him, and I got the opportunity to question him on it. And I, I, I've heard from some of you saying, oh, no, you, 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 don't, you don't put that guy on. We don't want to hear from that guy. I want to hear why he did it if he thought it was that bad. Or is he making it all up? If it, if it really was that bad, why did you stick it out? If it's really that bad, why didn't you go public? If it's really that bad, as the Democrats were floundering around with a strategy of do we just focus on Ukraine or do we focus on all this stuff, you could have opened your mouth and said something and you didn't. So was it really that bad? Did it really happen as you said it did? Why did it take a $2 million book advance? I, I think conservatives are owed these questions, the answers to these questions. My producer thinks I'm, I'm nuts for interviewing the guy, that, that you guys will be mad at me for interviewing him. I, I, I kind of think some of you have these questions as well. Um, so please, um, let me know, Eric at theresurgent.com. Should I interview the guy or am I wasting my time? In February, when COVID-19 was a distant concept to most Americans, gold was in the $1,500 range. The Dow was over 29000 Today, as the virus tears apart the economy, gold's over $1,700, and the Dow is around 24000 to 26000 Wobbling in between, major market disruptions favor gold. Instability, uncertainty, impending inflation, they all favor gold. If you've not diversified some of your savings into gold, there's no better time than today. Protect your savings from further setbacks in the stock market. Gold, it's a safe haven. The company I trust with precious metal purchases is Birch Gold Group. And right now, thanks to a little-known IRS tax law, you can even move your IRA or your eligible 401k into an IRA backed by physical gold and silver. It's perfect for those who want to protect their hard-earned retirement savings from any more downturns in the stock market. Look back historically, when the bottom falls out of everything else, gold tends to be a safeguard savings. Contact Birch Gold Group to request a free info kit on physical precious metals. See if diversifying into gold and silver makes sense for you. The comprehensive 20-page kit reveals how gold and silver can protect your savings and how you can legally move your IRA or your 401k out of risky stocks and bonds into a precious metals IRA. To get your no-cost, no-obligation kit, go to birchgold.com slash Erickson. That's B-I-R-C-H gold.com slash Erickson, E-R-I-C-K. K-S-O-N. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number. You want to be a part of the program? 87797-ERIC. Wait, no, I'm sorry. That's just out of habit. You can't. Oh, well, no. What's the. Why is there a dial tone? I, we're have, See, we're having phone issues. David Perdue, however, allegedly is going to call in here at the bottom of the hour, if we can make it all work. We're, we, we've just, I, I won't go into the details. We're, we're having issues behind the scenes today. Uh, you can you can say a prayer. <laughs> okay, we got stuff we need to talk about. I need to let you know right now, I am being told uh, from sources in the room, no less, that we are expecting the House Republicans in Georgia to uh, rush through their plan to upend the Hope Scholarship here uh, around noon today. So if you want to stop them, 
If you want to take action, uh, text the word action to 55444 so that you too can be engaged and tell them uh, not to up in the Hope Scholarship. I want to walk you through this one more time because I think it's really important uh, because what's happening is people are calling the representatives and telling them to kill uh, Senate Resolution, uh, what is it, Senate Resolution 841 is the number, Senate Resolution 841. And they're saying, oh, no, it's not going to kill hope. It's going to help hope. Uh, It's going to bring more money to hope. And you need to, you need to, um, you need to to understand what's going on because they're, they're pulling a bait and switch on you. First of all, you need to understand what strippers are and what stripping is. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You know, when I decided I wanted to be a talk radio show host, which I never actually decided I wanted to do. I just fell into it by accident. Local guy on radio got arrested in a crack house. They needed to fill in. I've been doing it ever since. Um, um, I, 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 I never thought I would talk about strippers and stripping on the radio, but we need to talk about strippers and stripping. Yes, uh, let's talk about stripping. I'm not talking for those of you who ever drove down 75 back in my day uh, when I was in college. There was this place just off the interstate. It's called Cafe Erotica. I shouldn't be telling the story on myself, um, but I'm going to. Um, I, 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 I am going to tell the story. It is to my everlasting shame. When I turned 21... So my college roommate and friends decided it was something I needed to go do. And they decided that's where I needed to go. And you went into this place. This was right on, on 75 and in, at the Warner Robins exit on 75. Cannot believe I'm telling on myself. But my college roommate and, and his friends decided that this is what I needed to do for my 21st birthday. And so you went in and you had to pay like, like, it was some outrageous amount of money to get in. And you didn't get your money back. You went in. I, y'all, I'm not making this up. Um, they pay, I th- I was like 10 or $15 to get in. They was ridiculous. Uh, and, and they paid for me and we walked in the door and there was an overweight lady uh, standing on the stage and, uh, well, she wasn't wearing much of anything and we immediately turned around and left and we were out of our money. That was, that was it. That's been my one experience in life. That was it. She's a large woman. Um, <laughs> I don't know if she was pregnant or what, but yeah, that, that was it. Um, that, that, that was my one experience. The place is, I think it's a Zaxby's now. They, they eventually the guy died and, and the city down in Warner Robins had a big party and celebrated that they could turn it down. It was just a blight, but yes. Yes, yeah, so, so here I am on radio all these years later. It's, it, it's my turn to talk about strippers and stripping. So let's do it. Uh, stripping, it is a process by which a, uh, a, a house in the legislature, <laughs> legislators love them some strippers, uh, a, a house of the legislature sends a piece of legislation to the other house, in this case, the Senate, sent a piece of legislation to the House of Representatives. And the strippers in the House of Representatives, they're all a bunch of prostitutes anyway, um, the, the, the strippers in the House of Representatives, they strip all of the language out of the Senate legislation. And they put in their their language. Now, here's the key. It's got to be a germane 
piece of legislation, what is a germane piece of legislation? That means that if your Senate legislation comes over and it's about crime, then the House can can strip the language of the Senate's bill and put in their own language, but it also must be about crime. If Senate legislation comes over and it affects the election code, then whatever the House of Representatives wants to do, they, they strip out the Senate language and they put in something about the election code. It can be completely different, but it's got to be germane. It's got to be in the same section. Well, the Senate sent over a uh, piece of legislation called SR 841, and it would allow citizens of Georgia to sue the state of Georgia if the state of Georgia does something that the citizen believes infringes their rights. And it would be a constitutional amendment. And since it's a constitutional amendment, the House of Representatives stripped out very good legislation from the Senate and put in a different constitutional amendment. And the constitutional amendment that the House put in is um, is about killing the Hope Scholarship. Except they're not telling you that. It's, it's actually the way it's worded. It would be about bringing casinos to the state of Georgia. Now, if you call your state representative and tell them to kill SR 841, text ACTION to 55444. I'll, I'll send you back all the information. I'll send you back a link where you can call your state representative, tell them to kill SR 841. They'll tell you, why do declare? We're not killing the Hope Scholarship. We're just bringing in casinos and gambling because who don't like to gamble? That's what they'll tell you. Ron Stevens from Savannah is the one who wants to kill the Hope Scholarship. Uh, but and, and he doesn't believe he's killing the Hope Scholarship. You need to understand, he doesn't believe it. Uh, the lo- casino lobbyists have got them convinced they're going to save the Hope Scholarship. Now, why did they want to bring in casinos? Well, you talk to, to, to David Ralston or you talk to Ron Stevens or you talk to Alan Powell or any of them, and they'll say, well, we need this revenue to help the Hope Scholarship. We got uh, the lottery revenue is in decline. I do declare we, we need to bring in some more revenue for the Hope Scholarship. We need the casinos to come in here and prop up the Hope Scholarship. But the way they've written the legislation prohibits any of the casino or horse track revenue from ever going to the Hope Scholarship. In fact, it specifically says it won't go to the Hope Scholarship. It goes to a new fund, a competing scholarship called the Opportunity Fund, and it will be means tested. So if you make above $58,000 a year, your kids won't be able to have access to it. Now, what they will tell you is, well, we're going to send some sports betting revenue over there to the lottery, and that's them going to prop up the Hope Scholarship. See, the way they've got it written is if you do sports betting on your phone, you'll get taxed by Georgia, and that money will go to the Hope Scholarship. But if you do sports betting in the casino, that money will go to this new fund, the Opportunity Fund. If you do betting at a horse track, that money will go to this new fund, this this new scholarship. So only the revenue that is generated by sports betting that is not done on, on in casinos will go to fund the Hope Scholarship. And they say that'll give you all the money you need for Hope. But how do they know? How do they know? Here's what we do know for certain. There have been studies going back to the 1980s on lotteries and casinos. And in every state that has brought in a casino after having established a lottery, lottery revenue goes down between 3 to 6%. In Missouri, in Pennsylvania, in Maryland, in Louisiana, in Illinois, in Massachusetts, in New York, in Mississippi, 
in Louisiana, um, in Arizona, in California. Uh, once casinos are introduced to a state, lottery revenue goes down. In some states, it's more than others. So what's going to happen is you bring in the casino, you're going to see a decrease in lottery revenue. This is a dispute. Everyone agrees. A casino will bring in revenue, but it'll decrease the amount of people buying lottery tickets and scratch-off tickets. So when they tell you that all the sports betting money is going to go to the lottery, what they're actually telling you is that the sports betting money is going to go to offset the losses from the casino. But remember, they've already told you we need more money than the status quo for hope. So all the sports betting money will do. We don't know how much it'll generate, but if if the lottery goes down six percent, which is about where it goes down in most states, then will we make it up with six? Will we make it up with the sports betting? Will you, will you get that money? And if if it gets you back to what you've lost, well, you're still at a deficit because they've told us the whole time that we need even more money for the Hope Scholarship. But they're telling us that the casinos and the horse tracks that they wanted to use for the Hope Scholarship, they're now not going to go to the Hope Scholarship. Not only are they not going to go to the Hope Scholarship, where are they going to go first? They're going to go to a new slush fund created by the state legislature that the legislature will preside over. And then once their slush fund is full, then it'll be divided between this opportunity fund and the general fund. And none of it will go to hope. So now you've got this new opportunity fund created. Let's let's say it passes. The casinos come in. The revenue for the lottery goes down. Sports betting raises it back up to what it was lost, but it doesn't add anything to it. I mean, there's no sports right now. So sports betting, the revenue would be zero right now. So you bring in a casino, the lottery revenue goes down and sports betting doesn't bring it back up. So you've already reduced it some. So then what happens? What happens? Well, you've got this new opportunity fund and the opportunity fund gets funded. And what happens? Well, uh, the Democrats say, wait, why, why are you giving more money to the Hope Scholarship? Why are you giving money to Hope? You need to give it to the Opportunity Fund because the poor kids, I mean, the rich kids, their parents can afford to send them to college. Uh, the kids whose parents make 58000 or less, we need to help them first. The money needs to go to Opportunity Fund, not to the Hope. And do you really think the Republicans are going to stand up and, and, and stand up for Hope as opposed to the fund that helps the poor kids? Of course not. Now, here's the bitter irony of all of it. If they just gave all of the money to the Hope Scholarship, the poor kids and the rich kids could all go to school on Hope. If you sent all the casino revenue and all the horse track revenue to Hope, well, everything would be fine. You wouldn't need this opportunity fund. You know why they're doing the opportunity fund, interestingly enough? Uh, Democrats. Uh, the Republicans need a two-thirds vote. The governor's going to veto the legislation because it uh, is calculated to impact the Hope Scholarship. So if it went to the governor, he'd veto it. And, but if they get a two-thirds majority, they can make it a constitutional amendment and let you vote on it. And, and the constitutional amendment will just say, do you want casinos and horse tracks? It won't tell you in the constitutional amendment, the way they've got it worded, it won't actually tell you that it's going to hurt the Hope Scholarship if you vote yes, even though it will. So they're, they're completely misdirecting. So you need to understand that when you call your state representative, they're going to say, oh, well, we're not going to hurt the Hope Scholarship. We're going to send them some sports betting. And you're going to say, well, there aren't any sports right now. Well, 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 this ain't going to come until next year. And next year, there'll be sports and we'll, we'll be funding the Hope Scholarship. They ain't going to hurt the Hope Scholarship. And you'll say, but you told us that we needed casinos and horse tracks to prop up Hope. And now you're taking money away from Hope. And, and every study that's ever been done by any organization has shown that money from casinos causes a decrease in lottery revenue. 
well, 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 we're going to do the sports betting. But there's no sports right now, and we don't know about next year. Oh, there'll be sports. There'll be sports. And that's what they're going to do to you. You need to understand that. My my, my babies, they went through, through UGA on the Hope Scholarship. We ain't going to kill. I love me the Hope. To, well, yeah, you love the Hope Scholarship enough to smother it to death and deprive it of funds. So the question for you is, what do you prefer? Do you prefer a means-tested scholarship where if you make over 58000 a year, your kids are not eligible to for the Hope Scholarship? Or do you just want more money for the Hope Scholarship? If you want more money for the Hope Scholarship, uh, you better kill this legislation. The, the legislation is SR841. And, and don't take no for an answer. Those of you in middle Georgia, uh, Sean Blackman, Dale Washburn, uh, the, those are my shout-outs for middle Georgia. It's the Republicans you got to pressure on this. You need to make them vote no on, on SR841 and, and don't believe them when they say they're not going to kill Hope because I've already laid it out for you. They said they needed the casino money to help the Hope Scholarship, and now they're saying the casino money won't go to Hope. Were they lying then or are they lying now? The Republicans just want the casino. You, you know there's that great movie, uh, The Bridge on the River Quay. It is one of my favorite movies. Lieutenant Colonel Nicholson wants to prove British engineering is superior to, to Japanese engineering. They're POWs in World War II, and they got to build a bridge over the river for a Japanese military transport train. And if the train gets over the river, the war is lost in Southeast Asia. And Nicholson becomes so focused on building the bridge that he loses sight of the fact that if they're successful, the British will lose. And at the end of the movie, people are screaming at him. Uh, They've got dynamite under the bridge. He needs to push the plunger to to blow up the dynamite. He realizes, as they're screaming at him, blow up the damn bridge. He realizes, my goodness, I've been so focused on getting the bridge built, I didn't see the big picture. And he falls over dead onto the plunger and blows up the bridge. The Republicans in Georgia are so focused on getting a casino, they have ignored the fact that a casino is going to kill the Hope Scholarship. You need to make them realize it. Text ACTION to 55444. National Connections, local focus. Eric Erickson is live every weekday. Uh, You know, you can text RECIPE to 33777. I've been bad lately about the recipes. I've just been so busy. A couple of weeks ago, I logged them in for several days in a row. I spent the weekend and did it, and and I've just been busy. I will get back to it. I actually got a couple of recipes that have come in the mail from people to share that I need to to send out. But the big one, honestly, is uh, the action word, action at 55444. Action at 55444. Uh, because you, you need to take action on the casinos. And listen, I don't want to be a broken record. I don't want to bore you guys. I, I, I Really, you never want to bore the audience. You know, radio is still entertainment. It, it's a very personal uh, personal entertainment medium. Uh, you know, radio is actually harder to do. Than, I've done TV and I've done radio. And radio is harder to do because it, it's, in fact, live streaming to a degree kind of cheapens it. But radio is harder to do than TV because it's a much more intimate medium. I mean, with, with TV, you use a lavalier mic, uh, you're steering into a camera, and and you can see it's a very dramatic presentation. You can see the people in here. I've got to use my voice. You can hear me breathing into the microphone. When I get worked up, you can, 
you can you can hear it in the microphone. You, you can on TV. It's it's a much more intimate medium. Uh, you, people can tell. It, it's kind of weird, you know. So when I go out and about now, uh, so many people listen to the show. Uh, I, so I live in Macon, uh, on the north side of town, and, and then I've got my evening show in Atlanta. And uh, the, the ratings for the evening show, the, I, I, I'm not allowed to talk about my ratings. Let me just tell you that um, I got job security. <laughs> as long as I don't screw up, um, ratings are very, very good. Uh, pe- people love me. Uh, but it's weird because if I go out and about in town, whether I'm in, in the Macon Warner Robins area now or in the Atlanta area, or even, you know, when I was up at Lake Burton, uh, when I was up at Lake Burton, I, I, people were listening to me. I guess they were listening on, on WCHM in Clarksville. Um, but if people hear my voice, they know it's me. And when I go to restaurants, I always face the crowd. It is the, y'all, it is the weirdest darn thing. I, I, I am not making this up. If I am talking and you can see my face, you won't know who I am. But if I am, if my back is to you and people hear my voice, they all know who I, I, and I don't know why this is a phenomenon, but I guess it's just people are listening on radio. And and when they connect you with eye contact, they're like, who is that guy? Uh, But the moment, I mean, if they close their eyes and they know it's it's so my favorite restaurant, I I tell people, and I should stop telling people I realize, but at this point, the cat's out of the bag. I really do love Table in Maine. It's a restaurant in Roswell, Georgia. If you ever get to the Roswell area, they've got this row of restaurants. Every single one of them is incredible. Table in Maine is my favorite one. It is, it is seasonal. It is Southern. Every three months, they got a new menu. They have the best bourbon collection of, of any restaurant you'll go to. And I used to sit and I would I would have my back to everybody and everybody would come up to me because uh, that area is, is it's called um, P1s or the, the high listeners in radio. And that zip code up there is is one of the big zip codes for um, my radio show in the evening. And I sit with my back to people and people come up. They just tap me on the shoulder. They say, hey, just love the show. Uh, and that's it. Uh, everybody's very polite. But if I sit and I face the crowd and, and people see me, they got no idea. They recognize my voice, but they they, they can't place it. It is the funniest thing to see. Um, it, it really is. I was actually talking to a buddy of mine a while back about this, uh, who, who you all would know, and who is also in radio. And he said, same thing, uh, where he lives, um, that, that he used to when he first got big and got a national show and, and everybody listened, he thought, uh, go places. I gotta gotta sit with my back to people. And said, nope. You, you gotta face the people. You face people. They have no idea who you are. And and it is just it is an intimate medium. It's an entertaining medium. But I don't want to bore you to death by talking about this this lottery. I'm but I am trying to keep you informed. We do have other stuff out there too. Uh, and I got a question. We we need to decide the question. This is important. We need to decide when is Georgia going to legalize marijuana. But when we come back, joining me uh, will be Senator David Perdue of Georgia uh, to talk about what's going on on Capitol Hill with police reform, among other things. And I can see the phone lines. The senator is calling in. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show. The phone number, well, I can't give you guys the phone number um, for a variety of reasons today, but um, I am I am waiting to be transferred to uh, the great uh, senator for the state of Georgia, David Perdue, who is actually on the phone um, with our station. And let's see, I can fire him up now. The senator from the great state of Georgia, David Perdue, Colin, how are you? Well, Eric, I'm great, but I'm uh, 
I'm cousin David. I'm Sonny. Uh, wait, you, you got to say that again. You broke up on me. Well, I said, this is Sonny. I, uh, I'd love to be my <laughs> handsome cousin, David, but this is the other okay. kid from Bonaire. Well, you know, so I, I, I got to tell you, um, so my, my I, 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 I probably shouldn't put this on air, but so my producer's wife went into labor about an hour ago and he left and he sent me a text and said, David Purdue is calling into the bottom of the hour. So, <laughs> so there you go. I, I've been yeah, telling people it was your cousin. <laughs> well, all right. So Mr. Secretary, my understanding is, is you're coming in. I, I just assumed by reading the note that, that the two of you were coming together, but uh, you're coming in with the, the reconnect program, which is something I've been hearing about. And, and so I was kind of excited to see, I was going to talk to somebody about it. If you want to let us know what's going on. I'd love to, Eric. This is a great program that uh, uh, money has been appropriated. The USDA, through its rural utility services, uh, is also deploying broadband, high-speed connectivity. We've been in a little town called Bremen, Georgia, uh, in West Georgia this morning uh, with the Carroll EMC and the Sync Global uh, partners who are going to be implementing this, uh, affecting about over 7,000 people in rural Georgia. But that's just really the basic infrastructure. It'll grow to more than that, but uh, uh, fiber to the home, I mean, gigabit speed uh, comparable with any city. So it's going to be transformed. It'll change lives in West Georgia. Well, you know, so my in-laws are over there and my father-in-law complains about his internet speed all the time. So, so he may actually be able to get fast internet without me having to like, like rearrange wires. That'll actually be great news. <laughs> I hope, he, I hope he's in that service area so he can, he can blow you away with his gigabit speed fiber to the home. Well, and, and, you know, so around, particularly in rural Georgia now, as we're dealing with this this virus and whether or not kids can go back to school, one of the big problems you hear all over the place in rural Georgia is whether or not people have access to uh, things like, like high-speed fiber in, in some of these rural areas. What, what's the what's the, the projection rate on it? Will it be expanded further outside that area? Well, it will be, but it doesn't go quickly enough. Obviously, you're exactly right. Uh, there is a real digital divide, and the pandemic has only uh, demonstrated that uh, more and more with uh, remote learning, with distance uh, telemedicine, with uh, e-commerce, with just uh, any types of things, or precision agriculture. But uh, Congress had appropriated uh, about $600 million initially. Uh, we've deployed that. We've had uh, a couple of announcements here in Georgia, this one in West Georgia and uh, Heard and uh, Carroll and uh, uh, another county here, Harrelson County here, and uh, we uh, we hope to grow it. We've got another $1 billion that we've taken applications on. It's oversubscribed, but actually, Eric, it's going to take more than that. This is like just raindrops, like a little sprinkle going from place to place. It's going to take a lot more money, but the president has insisted that the FCC, uh, when its spectrum sales, treat uh, rural, rural America the way equitably the way they're doing the cities so we can have comparable speeds. Well, and, and you know, it, not not to throw you a, a somewhat of a curveball in here, but that's probably the best place in Georgia to to deploy this program, given how Atlanta and Birmingham just seem to be merging together. And you've got that zone right in there uh, of people who are moving out to rural parts where they can, you're about an hour and a half from Birmingham, an hour and a half from Atlanta, and uh, the infrastructure there just hasn't caught up yet. No, that's exactly right. We've seen the Northwest card up toward Cartersville and Dalton, you know, kind of expand uh, industrial-wise. We've seen the 85 corridor to the Northeast expand. I think the 20 West corridor 
uh, as you indicated, is just on the verge. And they get, uh, we know what happened in Paulding County, but you've got these other counties out here like Hurd and uh, uh, Carroll and the others we mentioned that uh, really, I think, are on the verge. And with this kind of connectivity, it will just spur economic development growth uh, throughout this area. Well, I, I hope so. Man, it's a pretty area, too. Uh, not as pretty as middle Georgia, mind you, but it is pretty. <laughs> now, no let me ask you about uh, school lunch programs as well, because my understanding yeah. is, is you're going to be handing out some meals for kids as well. Yeah, we're going up to Cartersville to a distribution site. Uh, we have our summer school program, and uh, uh, this one of the sites that we'll be at today is designated as a uh, as a, as a distribution site for summer meals. You know that USDA partners with our uh, state boards of education and our uh, our school nutritionists there to get meals to kids that are on free and reduced lunch during the summer because they depending on that for their nutrition. So it's a great program, and this is the uh, summer school option there of, of food that we'll be distributing in Cartersville today. So it, it's always a, an inspiring event. Good. Well, you know, I, I've been wondering this summer, uh, just with kids who have been dependent particularly on school infrastructure in rural parts of the state, I, what were we going to do in that situation? I know, for example, you're, I know you're aware of the um, the meals program from some of the nonprofits in Atlanta that deliver meals during the summer, but people in, in areas that don't have that infrastructure, uh, just being able to, to get these kids fed, which, I mean, wh- whether you're conservative or, or liberal, regardless of your views, th- there are kids who are going to be hungry this summer without the government helping them. So I, I'm sure I'm glad y'all are doing that. Uh, if you don't mind, let, let me ask you real quick. The last time you were on the program, we were talking about the transitional infrastructure needed to get some of the, the, the corporate ag interests rolled over to be able to sell to grocery stores and, and consumers. Uh, do you have any update on that? Because it, it still seems like there are some shortages out there, but most of it, by and large, seems to be resolved. It, most of it's resolved, Eric. Fortunately, we, we were in kind of a crisis area there for two or three weeks, but we've got most of these processing plants up north of 98% year over year. We think that will sustain us and uh, they'll, they'll grow back to where the demand is over this realignment. As restaurants grow, uh, you know, come back open, uh, the normal dual track of distribution will reoccur and it'll become normal. But I think the the they're probably 98% because the demand structure can only push so much through grocery stores. So it's about resolved and uh, we're fortunate, I think, uh, based on the cooperation with CDC right here in Atlanta with OSHA and trying to keep workers safe, and then uh, our certainly our zero-tolerance food safety of our inspectors there. Uh, working with the companies and local authorities, it was a good, uh, it was a good uh, uh, effort there. You know, the president, you may remember, signed a Defense Production Act that uh, deemed these uh, critical, and we had the ability a USDA to issue orders for these companies to continue. We fortunately, based on cooperation and collaboration, we never had to issue a Defense Production Act order, although it was very important. The President's Act was very critical in helping everyone understand how serious this was. Well, I, I got to tell you, we heard all those nightmare scenarios about meat shortages, and I, I experienced them at one grocery store, but by and large, uh, I know it was a government and, and private sector cooperation, but I don't think people really saw the nightmare scenarios that the media was planning, even with people rushing into stores trying to buy up all the all the meat and freeze it uh, because of what the media was reporting. You guys did a really good job there. Well, thank you. Interestingly, you're, you're right on target again. Uh 
it was it was easier to find meat than it was freezers in stores. We had some <laughs> people tell us that they had to go out of state to buy freezers. That's exactly what we saw. We saw almost like a national hurricane alert. Where people went in. Day scenario, then uh, they went in and just tried to hoard things and froze it and others. But we're getting back to normal now, and uh, I think most of uh, the varieties are back in the stores. Well, listen, I know you got a busy day and, and one, I appreciate you taking the time to stop by Mr. Secretary and, and two, uh, that maybe my, my father-in-law won't be complaining about his internet speeds over in Carroll County anymore. <laughs> well, you, you, you help him get set up on the, on that high speed, uh, fiber to the home. You know how we boomers are. We need you. <laughs> All right, Secretary <laughs> Purdue, thank you so much for stopping by and, and, and have a great trip here in your home state today. Thanks, Eric. Bye-bye. Bye. Secretary Purdue, not not Senator Purdue, Secretary Purdue. Yep, we've we've had a lot going on here this morning. Uh, just just so you understand. Now, um, it, we're this high speed. This is called the Reconnect program, and it is going in uh, out in in West Georgia. You know, you people who are listening out there in West Georgia, there's a radio station in Carrollton I want to be on, and they won't put me on. Uh, a little aggravated. That's all right. They're good people. Um, but it is Carroll County, uh, Heard County. Harrelson County and Troop County, uh, they have expanded fiber lines out in that area. And, and you do, if you look on the map, in fact, let me pull up the map of, of our great state of Georgia. I don't want the satellite view. I want the, I want the map view. Uh, you go out and what's happening in the state is actually kind of interesting. Uh, demographically, why is Roman? This? Oh, cause I got the map upside down. That's the problem. <laughs> If you look, this is great radio, people. This is great radio. Uh, if you look at what's happening, so you've got uh, I-85 uh, and I-20 headed towards Alabama. Uh, the area around Tallapoosa, Carrollton, Bremen, Mount Zion, Bowden, that whole area is exploding in growth because of Birmingham and Alabama just seem to be merging together very slowly. The Oxford Aniston area in Alabama is starting to grow. And then you've got Highway 27, US 27 South, that runs down to the LaGrange area. And that corridor is exploding because you get down to the Columbus area and the Auburn area, the Opelika area. And so you've got this big surge of growth out there, but the infrastructure has not caught up. A lot of people are on septic tanks. You don't have a lot of municipal water supplies, a lot of well water, and also the the communications infrastructure. A lot of people on satellite uh, and no fiber lines. So they've been expanding with federal money, a pilot program to expand fiber lines over there just to test and see if they get it to work. And it worked brilliantly. So they expanded it, uh, and the Trump administration really took the lead in this to Carroll, Harrelson, Heard, and, and Troop County. Uh, and th- this project, thus far, it, it's going well and looks like uh, they're headed in the right direction. Okay, there is some breaking news I need to deal with. Um, there is a big decision from the United States Supreme Court, uh, and it has ruled that people who are in detention in federal facilities who are illegal aliens or people who um, are seeking asylum and they failed their initial asylum screening can be deported uh, by the Trump administration without due process hearings. Uh, the left is beside themselves. Today. It was seven to two. Um, all of the the Supreme Court um, with Ginsburg and Sotomayor, who are always the two who dissent, 
Kagan, Breyer, and all the conservatives together have said that this is this is fine. Now, the the, the law you need to understand because there's man there. I'm watching as I was talking to the secretary. I could see it starting to flare up. Um, what the law has said is that if you are if you try to get asylum to the United States, you make it here and then you apply for asylum even if you're an illegal alien and you came here for the sole purpose of asylum, you go through an initial review. And if you fail the initial review, you can appeal. And what prior administrations have done is they've let, allowed people to stay in the country while the appeal was going on. And the Trump administration said, no, if you fail the initial review, you're not supposed to be here. We're going to send you somewhere else and hold you outside of the country because we don't want you to, to become an illegal alien roaming the countryside. And a person who sought asylum sued, they won at the lower court, the Trump administration appealed, and the Supreme Court in a 7-2 decision said if an asylum seeker fails their asylum review, the Trump administration doesn't have to leave them here for the appeal. In the same way that if you uh, go to jail and you appeal, they don't have to let you out of jail. Uh, they, they don't have to let you out while you appeal. And... That 7-2 decision from the Supreme Court, it just happened a few minutes ago. Uh, the left is in meltdown right now, but it was 7-2, meaning uh, the liberals and conservatives alike on the Supreme Court agreed with the Trump administration on this. Politics, news, religion. Eric Erickson talks about all the things you're not supposed to talk about. Every weekday. And some cooking, too. Yes, you can go to theresurgent.com. And remember, you can text ACTION to 55444. Call your state legislator and tell them uh, they need to stop this uh, SR841. It is SR, and again, it's, uh, SR stands for Senate Resolution. The House took a Senate resolution, stripped it of its language, and put in what the House wanted. That's Both sides do this. Both chambers do this. You do need to understand. Uh, both chambers do it, um, and it's just it's what's happening in the state of Georgia today. I am told they're going to try to rush it to the floor. I want to ask a question. I, I don't mean to be provocative or controversial on this. I, I actually do want to. Um, I, I, I'm I'm interested. When does the state of Georgia legalize recreational marijuana? The reason I ask it that way is because. Uh, time and again, uh, our state says they need more revenue. So, for example, they want to they want to increase taxes on vaping, and they want to increase taxes on cigarettes. I sneezed. I sneezed again. I'm so glad my new mixer has a mute button. Can I just tell you guys? In the past, uh, this is so unprofessional. Of me in the past. I had to scramble to yank the the volume down before I would sneeze. I got allergies, uh, and this office is just dusty this morning. Um, and in the past, so I'd have to lower the volume real quick and then try to get it right back to the right level. And thankfully, I have a new mixer. It has this nice red mute button, so I can hit the mute button right before the sneeze comes out, and I don't blast your eardrums or mess up the volume. So now, as I was saying... <laughs> I always like to tell you what goes on behind the curtain. I try to be as transparent as possible. Um... As I was saying, the legislature always says they need more revenue, so they want to tax cigarettes, uh, they want to tax vaping, they want to bring in casinos, they want to allow sports betting, they want to allow uh, horse track betting. Why not? And they're doing they're doing medical marijuana. So why not recreational? 
I mean, it has caused a boost of state revenue in Colorado, in Washington, in Michigan, in Illinois, in California. Uh, met the full medical marijuana expansion in Florida has seen an uptick there. You could take all of the money from recreational marijuana, uh, pour it into the Hope Rev- Hope uh, Scholarship, and you would take care of every kid in Georgia going to school based on potheads. Now, I am I, I, I'm being serious here, but but my point here is larger. It is that our state legislature continues to tell us they need to introduce all sorts of vices to the state in order to boost revenue. I mean, remember when, when they wanted to um, it, they wanted to help the beer industry with craft beer? Good. I fully supported it. Uh, they wanted to do Sunday sales? Good. I fully supported it. But all these things were to boost tax revenue. There are no states in the Southeast that have legalized recreational marijuana. Why aren't they considering that? Uh, And my point here really is that there are some bridges that are too far for our legislature, but they're only too far for now. They are incrementally headed in these directions. Uh, And if they're willing to bring in casinos and horse tracks uh, and do so by lying to you, when does this happen? Uh, And I suspect that Florida will go with recreational marijuana sooner than Georgia. I mean, this is what's happening in Georgia or in in Florida. They've expanded through a, it was a voter initiative to expand medical marijuana. The state legislature didn't want to, the governor didn't want it, the voters did it. Uh, And I would imagine that either Georgia or North Carolina would be next uh, when it comes to recreational marijuana. And there is a movement behind the scenes among some legislators, frankly, and I know this for certain, there are members of our state legislature who have gotten into hemp farming behind the scenes. Uh, that they, they co-own or they have business interest in hemp farms in the state. And their entire idea and their entire strategy is that eventually uh, a recreational or medical marijuana growing in the state will happen and they want to take advantage of the finances. They, they financially lucrative for them. It's only a matter of time before they do it. And I, I, I wish I, part of me just wishes they'd go on and do it. I, I'm not I, my position on, on marijuana has evolved over the years in large part because I know friends of mine who, for medical reasons, use marijuana and it's actually benefited them. Uh, it actually did. I was super skeptical, but it actually did. And I'm still somewhat skeptical. And, and there is some data that's troubling out in Colorado and in California and the like, uh, particularly kids under 25 kids, uh, people under 25 who use marijuana recreationally when they get older in life tend to have all sorts of mental health problems. Uh, there does seem to be a lot of research out there that your brain is not fully developed until you're 25. And so if you're using marijuana before 25, uh, schizophrenia and things like that become much more problematic later in life. Uh, and the, these are the, you know, there's a lot of research put out there by the potheads who, who say all this stuff isn't true. But when you actually look at the academic research, there actually is a lot of research that schizophrenia is a problem among people who started using marijuana before they were 25 or so as their brains fully developed. But a lot of these states are doing it, and it does make you wonder, when's it going to come to Georgia? If our legislature is willing to sell out everything else, including casinos and horse tracks and sports betting and the like, when are they going to do this? Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show. You can't call in. We're having issues, but that's okay. You can listen to me. You people don't call anyway. I, I ask all the time. I, I start to feel bad, and, and I keep thinking, is anybody listening? I mean, do, do people actually listen? And then I get emails from people all the time saying, we just want to listen to you. We don't need to call in. So I mean, you make me feel good, the five of you who listen. <laughs> did you know, did you know there was legislation that passed the, the Georgia legislature yesterday? 
uh, that uh, the state legislature voted to cut its pay 10%. It passed the Senate overwhelmingly. It went to the House of Representatives, and the career Democrats in the House of Representatives voted against it. Uh, One Republican voted against it, uh, Representative uh, Mark Morris. He voted against it because he said it didn't actually cut the per diems or the driving or or any of the benefits for the leadership. It affected everyone else, and and he wanted it changed, and his was a protest vote. Every single one of the Democrats voted against it. State employees across the board, state employees outside of education, are taking 10% cuts. So the legislature decided, you know what, if they're taking 10% cuts, we'll take 10% cuts. And all the Democrats oppose taking a 10% cut. Now, you got to understand, some of those Democrats have been there for a very long time. It is their income. It, it is their income. And and you do need to be mindful of that. Unreal that they did that. Uh, by the way, uh, this hour, I keep telling you about them, and, and I know you guys are going to them because they've seen an uptick in traffic, and they assume it's for me. True-precision.com true t-r-u-e dash precision.com uh you need to go to their website if you can and check them out uh they will upgrade your gun and they do amazing upgrades um i i you know i I, i'm mindful of the people who listen and and jenny called in and lectured me on my language and i gotta be careful y'all it's awesome the guns are awesome. The barrels are awesome. The slides are awesome. If you go to Instagram, E.W. Erickson on Instagram, you'll see I've got one. For, I've got a Glock 43X from True Precision. They sent it to me. It has the, the slide is camo. The grip is better. Uh, the, they put on better sights. It is my favorite gun. Hands down, it's my favorite gun. Uh, they sent it to me because uh, they're listeners of the program. They heard me lamenting. I got a Glock 19. I got an HK. I got a CK, uh, CZ. Can't speak this morning. And none of them are really fit for concealed carry and, and they do this Glock 43X and the 43 and it, it it's small it's compact it is a great Glock for concealed carry and they're like well you clearly need one of these and they sent it to me for a year ago and I re- haven't want to say anything there's a law called Plugola Payola where if somebody sends me something for free I can't talk about it on the radio it's actually against the law now I realize a lot of people do but I try to be an ethical person and I don't talk about when people send me stuff I've got to buy it if I'm going to talk about it uh, and they sent it to me and and I ha- I've put it on Instagram and I explained to people this was a gift from listeners uh, I'm, I've referenced it in passing and said it was a gift which I can do by saying it was it was uh, they sent it to me but I haven't bragged about it, and now they're an advertiser, and I feel compelled to brag about it because it is my favorite gun, and it is a True Precision remake of a Glock 43. Go to true-precision.com, and the cool thing is if you buy something from them online, like I'm just looking at the Glock 43 right now uh, on their site, true-precision.com, you can get a, a non-threaded, uh, you, you get a well, uh, Glock 43 non-threaded barrel, uh, it's a one sixty nine ninety nine made by them. Uh, you can get it in all sorts of different colors. Uh, just it's fantastic. Uh, the Spectrum one is just awesome. Uh, and the blue PVD. Uh, I got I think the black nitride one that I got from them, and it's one seventy nine ninety nine. And you you can you can swap these things out. It's great. But if you go there and you order it and you put Eric in at checkout, E R I C K, you get ten percent off. It is worth it. Upgrade your Glocks, and it's not just Glocks. Um, they do Glocks and SIGs, MMP. They've got thread protectors. It is true-precision.com. I'm giving them more time than than I should as an advertiser, but it's because they're awesome. Uh, I stand by the work because I've got a gun from them, and I know what their upgrades are capable of doing, and, and it's awesome. 
uh, true-precision.com. Uh, if you have any questions, give them a call as well. They are, they are some awesome people. They do awesome work. Now, the we need. I, 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 I want to, at the bottom of the hour, talk a little more about the NASCAR stuff. And I've asked my buddy Dave Briggs to come by and chat with me about the NASCAR stuff. Um, and, and one of the reasons is it's still flaring up and you got a lot of people out there who just for some reason can't seem to get a grip on the fact that we now have video from two and a half years ago that was found on YouTube of the same garage where the same knot is called a surgeon's knot. It's not, it looks like a noose, but it's actually a knot and it, it forms a whole, yeah. And you know why, um, it, yes, it is adjustable, but you can get your hand grip in there and pull up and down these garage doors. Here's Al Sharpton talking about this. The FBI identified it as a noose. NASCAR uh, said it was a noose or went along with the FBI's characterization. It was a noose. So the question is, even if they did not know that Bubba Wallace was going to use that stall, why was a noose in the stall? It's clear what a noose represents. And I think to, to go whether or not they knew that sooner or later the one black driver would use that stall really doesn't answer why it was in the stall at all. And then did someone know that it was in the stall when they did belatedly assign Bubba there? So I don't think this answers a lot of questions. And clearly from what we just saw of Bubba Wallace, it does not seem he who is the victim and possible target in this matter seems to be satisfied with this. So I do not think that we've seen closure in this particular uh, inquiry. So here's the thing. It, I, I'm going to be more charitable to Al Sharpton than Al Sharpton has ever been to anyone on my side of the aisle. Uh, NASCAR released a statement saying it was a noose and that the FBI was investigating it. Well, the FBI came out and, and said actually was not that it was a noose, but that it had been there for multiple years. Uh, and if you actually watch any of the videos, there are now videos on YouTube people have found of people in this garage over the last couple of years. And it is very clear that it's not a noose per se. It is shaped in that way as a loop, as a handle for you to be able to put your fingers into this and raise and lower the garage with some amount of leverage on the rope. That's what it is. And it, it clearly has been blown out of proportion. And I don't fault Bubba Wallace for this because he was, he never saw it. He was told about it and went forward. Now his initial statement was kind of, uh, you know, the, the, it was kind of crummy. His initial statement. Although I got to tell you, I'm, I'm trying, I'm in a charitable mood. And charitably, it, we are talking about a race where people have flown um, battle flag, Confederate battle flags in the past, waved them. You had somebody rent a plane to fly over a battle flag at the last race's protests. There was a parade. I, I'm sure there are racists in NASCAR as there are everywhere else. And he's probably had experience with racism in NASCAR. And so when that shapes his opinion, when they come to him and say, hey, NASCAR says there was a noose in your garage and the FBI is investigating, well, uh, he thinks about the other racist incidents he's had. And, and so, of course, he's willing to, to, to say, yeah, I bet it was. He's since released a statement saying, you know, glad to put this behind us, glad it wasn't anything. And we should all be happy it wasn't anything. Uh, it, it, it's interesting, the the hucksters out there who want to keep this alive and, and stir up controversy about it. I've actually got my buddy Dave Briggs. Uh, he was on Fox and Friends for a long time. Weekend Fox and Friends was at NBC as a sports guy at CNN. He knows way more about sports. If you listen to me, you understand. I don't know a lot about it. I grew up in Dubai. We had camel racing and, and soccer. Um, so, so he knows more about sports than me, and he's going to come by and discuss 
in uh, baseball reopening at the bottom of the hour. Now, I want to move on. Oh, wait, 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 wait. One more on this. Gail King. And so now for anybody to question it and say it's not a noose, it was a rope pull, whatever it is, yep. to say it's not a hate crime, I still don't really know what the, what what happened here. Yeah. But it, it's very painful to see how personally he's taking it. He says he's fine, but you yeah. can look at him and see that he's not he, fine. Yeah. It's, I'm very unsettled yeah. by yeah. that. It's been there for years. It's been there for years as a handle. It's been there for years as a handle to open and lower the garage. You know, the, the story here is is not that there was a noose. The story here is that people are hypersensitive. And at this time of hypersensitivity, NASCAR overreacted and inflamed a situation that didn't need to be inflamed. Now, you know who else is inflaming situations? Uh, the Black Lives Matter organization. The Black Lives Matter organization, as I have said ad nauseum, I'm not going to go back into all the details, but Black Lives Matter, the organization, is a radically progressive Marxist organization. And I want you to play, I want to play some audio from one of the leaders of Black Lives Matter, one of the, uh, who was on with Martha McCallum on Fox News. You need to listen to this. If this country doesn't give us what we want, then we will burn down this system and replace it. All right, and I could be speaking phys- fit, uh, figuratively. Okay. I could be speaking literally. It's a matter of interpretation. Like, <laughs> let's be very real, and 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 let's observe the history of the 1960s when black people were rioting. We had the highest growth in wealth and property ownership. Think about the last few weeks since we started protesting. Uh, there have been eight cops fired across the country. You remember they were telling us that there was due process. That's why the cop that choked Eric Gardner to death had kept his job and make, get, received raises for five years. Anytime a cop hurt a woman, hurt a child, hurt pregnant people, hurt our elders, there was always a call for due process. You must wait. You must wait. But the moment people start destroying property, now cops can be fired automatically. What? What? What is this country uh, rewarding? What behavior is it listening to? Obviously not marching. We may burn down this country figuratively or literally. I, 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 I gotta, I have a sneaking suspicion that this doesn't necessarily at this moment play into Donald Trump's hand, but that it does actually hurt the Black Lives Matter cause long-term. See, I really think that, okay, let, let, let me talk about polling. And remember, polling, it, it's not actually that bad when you have credible pollsters, but it is a snapshot for right now. Don't So don't freak out when I say this because the election is in November. But if the election were held today, Donald Trump would lose badly to Joe Biden. Uh, and, and scream all you want that you and all of your neighbors are supporting the president. That's all well and good. But nationally, I mean, you've got the president is behind Joe Biden in a host of states, and I'm talking polling averages. I don't really trust the New York Times Siena poll that's come out of states, but nationally, when you take the polling averages, the polling average is very good. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The poll showed Hillary Clinton would win, but that was the Electoral College. They were within 3% of each other. Uh, Donald Trump's polling uh, in 2016 was between 40 and 44%. Hillary Clinton's polling was between 42 and 46 or 42 and 48 percent. Joe Biden is 15 points ahead. Incredible polls. Uh, 
But that's today. Again, don't freak out about it. That's today. If the election were held today. See, I, I don't know that this really helps Donald Trump per se. And I think that if the, the Trump campaign can't get firing on all cylinders, like the president, I mean, for example, uh, what's his name? John, uh, John Thune uh, from uh, one of the Dakotas, uh, South Dakota, I think. Jo- John Thune is out saying, you know, the president's still running a campaign for the Republican nomination. He needs to run a general election campaign. And he's right. The president is trying to rally Republicans. He's not trying to rally independent voters, and he needs to be focused on independent voters right now. He needs to be focused on expanding the Republican base right now, and he's not. And and that's a strategic problem with the Trump campaign. They need a campaign shakeup. Brad Parscale needs to go. They need to bring in new people. They brought in Jason Miller to start being a uh, presidential campaign whisperer to the president, which is great. Jason Miller is awesome, and uh, he will help the president, I think, focus on the general election. they got to do something. But I, I think whoever wins in November, regardless of where the polling winds up in November, whoever wins is going to see a huge backlash against them in 2022. That's why I think if Joe Biden wins in November, it's going to be bad for Republicans nationwide. We're going to see big losses in Georgia and elsewhere. Uh, and the Democrats, if they take control of state legislatures, will be able to redraw the congressional districts to benefit the Democrats. But there's a problem. Um, Every bit of data out there shows that if you were to really draw districts fairly in this country, uh, Republicans would actually have an advantage in Congress. Because although Democrats nationally are dominant, you got to remember that Democrats nationally being dominant is really a coastal thing. New York and and, um, Chicago and the West Coast. But in the heartland, Republicans reign supreme. And so in 2022, there's going to be such a big backlash against the Democrats. It's going to be real hard for them to draw districts in in 2021 for 2022 that Republicans aren't competitive in. And there's going to be a big backlash if the Democrats take control. And that's actually good for people like Brian Kemp in 2022. It's good for Republicans running in 2022. There'll be a big backlash against Joe Biden if he takes control in 2020. There'll be a huge backlash. But if the president wins, there'll be a backlash against the GOP. I actually think I, I would lay down my marker now that if Joe Biden wins in 2020, Brian Kemp wins re-election in 2022. And if Donald Trump wins in 2020, Brian Kemp loses in 2022. That's actually, that's my benchmark right now, given uh, the way poll, uh, the polling is wobbling out there, there. There's a real concern about wobbly polling out there. There's a real concern the wobbly polling is because of wobbly voters. Wobbly voters are really in a pox on both your houses mode, and they want both parties contained by the other party, and they're playing each party off the other, and it's something both sides have to be mindful of in 2020 and 2022. As both sides target Georgia for 2020, Eric gives you the news you need from a Georgia perspective. You know, I I am very frequently critical of the state legislature in Georgia, but they've actually done some good. Uh, they have adopted sweeping reforms for senior care in the state. Uh, landmark legislation, really. Uh, it'll improve staffing, training, and accountability. It will also uh, improve COVID-19 training in senior centers, and it'll give the state a lot more leeway to shut down failing senior centers. Uh, we know nationwide that the biggest problems in COVID-19 have come from uh, elder care facilities, retirement homes, uh, uh, nursing homes, things like that. And uh, so the state has really cracked the whip um, 
on it, with this legislation on boosting standards and training standards and stuff, and that is good. Uh, they do need to be commended for that. Now, I, I got to talk for just a minute more about the Sahara dust cloud. Uh, now, this is not a new phenomenon. You do need to understand that a lot of the, the Caribbean beaches, it, it's very weird to think about, the Caribbean beaches depend on sand from the Sahara Desert to help the Caribbean beaches. Uh, the, the, the sands blow from the Sahara across the Atlantic. It happens every year, but this year's Sahara uh, dust storm is so big, uh, you can see it on satellites, and it's going to impact the southeast United States and the Gulf Coast. Uh, people are sending pictures now from the Azores, the Canary Islands, uh, and, and now into the, the outer edges of the Caribbean of this dust cloud coming over that is just blotting out visibility, making it very gross. We're going to experience it here in the southeast. If you're up in the mountains this weekend, you're going to see a haze, and it's going to be the dust. Now, I've been getting uh, medical advisories that I will probably need to use an inhaler. You know, I had those blood clots in my lungs a few years ago. Still have some issues and uh, been being told, uh, advised to be proactive about it and not let it get out of control. Uh, allergies will be more problematic uh, and things like that, which is really interesting. You, you forget sometimes just how interconnected parts of the world are. Uh, and this dust cloud is going to be huge. It's also going to lower temperatures, allegedly, a little bit and will also hurt the ability of hurricane formation. So at least we got a, a respite. Now I'm looking, um, let's see, right now, weather around the state of Georgia right now, it, it's 79 in Macon, 75, Adairsville, 77, Rome, 75 in Atlanta, 73, Blue Ridge in Carrollton, 77, Clarksville, 75, Dalton, 79 Eastman, 72 in, in Jasper. And you're going to see very mild temperatures through the next week, really. I mean, it's going to be, I mean, take Jasper, for instance. It's going to be in the 80s there. Rome at 75. The high this week is going to be 88 uh, with lows in, in the low 70s. Uh, even in Valdosta right now, it, it's 86 degrees. Uh, where it should be more than that. Let, let me let me pull up Clarksville here as an example. I mean, the high in Clarksville this week is going to be 86, uh, and that's going to be tomorrow and Saturday, and then you're going to get back into the, the 60s overnight up there and the low 80s in the day, and it's this dust is going to be the big issue. It's going to be hotter in Denver this week than it will be in Georgia, and it has everything to do with a monsoon of sand headed our way across the ocean uh, at the, and, you know, I was talking to a buddy of mine who's a pilot, asked him if this is a problem for them. And he said, not really, because uh, one, it, it's not volcanic ash, uh, but two, it's uh, planes fly above 30,000 across the Atlantic and the sand floats between 15,000 feet and 20,000 feet blowing across. It doesn't actually get higher than that. Uh, so you don't have to worry about that. If But he did say that if they're flying across the Atlantic, particularly some of these flights that go from South America to Europe, they'll fly right over it. And if it was daytime, uh, you would be able to see the sand beneath you. It would be a very brownish fog over the ocean, which is kind of cool to think about uh, seeing it from above. But it's coming, uh, and you're going to see it. If you're wondering, it's not it's not forest fire smoke that you're seeing this weekend. It's going to be the sand. When we come back, Dave Briggs is going to join me, uh, formerly Fox News and CNN. Uh, we're going to talk sports, believe it or not. You'll reveal, revel in my ignorance when it comes to all things sports, but he'll help me out. All right. My buddy Dave Briggs is going to join me here momentarily. Uh, he is, uh, he used to be at CNN, uh, before that he was at Fox and friends. And, and a lot of you probably, if you ever watched Fox and friends weekend, he was there and then went to NBC sports, 
Uh, and let's see. Uh, he doesn't actually have the number. Um, oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, let's let me. Um, I am going to. Um, I got to figure this out. Uh, so that he can call in. Uh, and the reason is because, well, my producer had to, to leave and um, I'm looking for the phone number for our guest number because I have no idea what our guest number is uh, at, the, at the Eric Erickson show. Um, it is one of those things uh, where when your life gets upended, these are the sorts of things you have to deal with sometimes um we will figure it out here momentarily um and uh let's see uh how about i do this um okay call all right jim uh when you see a phone line light up that is going to be dave briggs on y'all we've had all sorts of technical problems here this morning and you just have to bear with me today and, and offer some grace because Things kind of got upended early this morning, and uh, we've had all sorts of technical difficulties. In the meantime, while I am waiting for Dave to call, uh, and it looks like he's calling in now, I want to talk about sports stuff with him uh, because, well, he um, he knows more about sports than I do. I have mentioned before that I grew up in the Middle East. Uh, We moved to Dubai when I was five, and we moved back to the States when I was 15. Uh, Now, I don't want to give you the impression we had no sports because there was football, and I was on on, in middle school. I played baseball. But in general, there weren't a lot of sports growing up in Dubai. You could go to the camel races. You could watch the cricket match, uh, but there was no, like, like college football on TV or, or anything. So I'm completely ignorant on sports, which is why I have to rely on people like Dave Briggs to tell me what to think about sports. And he's joining me now. How are you? I'm good, my friend. How are you doing? You, you may say that about yourself, but I think you did a pretty nice job in taking down the Bill Wallace story on yesterday's program. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I want to talk to you about that out of the gate because let, let's be honest here. We're, we're And this is not to disparage NASCAR at all. I got a lot of friends and family who love it, but yeah. uh, this is a sport where people have flown Confederate battle flags in the past. I, I'm sure Bubba Wallace, being a, a black NASCAR driver, has experienced things. So it was obvious when NASCAR comes to him and says, hey, we found a noose that he's going to believe NASCAR, that he's going to take them at their word. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think Paul first and foremost has experienced more life than anyone ever should. So let's start with that uh, from an understanding standpoint. Um, but look, I, I think NASCAR did him no favor here by calling it a noose. But ultimately, who do I blame where we are right now? Bubba Wallace had an opportunity to move on from this, and instead he goes on to and it calls it multiple times a noose. Now, 24 hours prior to the FBI releasing the news, I had talked to people around the sport that said this sure looks like a garage door pull. They showed me pictures from prior races that looked like that identical garage pull. There were people writing about the fact that it was not, in fact, a noose, that it was a garage pull, yes, tied in the of a noose. Maybe we're getting lost. We're... 
now we're having cell phone issues. <laughs> it's one of those days. All right, uh, Dave, uh, your cell phone broke up on me a little bit, but I'm going to assume you're still there. And and so I want to I want to ask you one extra question on the NASCAR stuff before I move on to other stuff. I, I, I do think that there are probably issues uh, and issues that do need to be resolved. Uh, but also, I, I do kind of wonder that given the reaction at the end of this, what we know that it could potentially uh, set back the conversation with the NASCAR that maybe NASCAR still needs to have. Absolutely. Look, again, I don't think anyone did themselves any favor. They should have focused on the fact that there was a Confederate flag parade on Sunday prior to the race outside the speedway, that there was one hanging or flying overhead during the race. And Bubba Ball has been subject to threats. And from what I've been told, even death threats over his life. The point is for NASCAR how do they wrestle with this? Because I have covered the sport. I've been to many races, and there is a race in two some of the Deep South hardcore fans. Can NASCAR grow without those fans? I don't think so. Team ratings are down some 35% since 2015. Now, they've been flat the last couple of years. Tracks are empty. They no longer report the attendance. Now, there's no fans in large part right now because of course has been crushed in recent years. So keep staying neutral, maybe, but can they grow? Can they attract a whole new fan base? I'm very skeptical of that reality, even though I am a big fan of the sport and love people in it. All right. So I got to ask you as a big fan of the sport, because my brother-in-law is a huge fan of NASCAR and, and my sister is, uh, most of my family are, and, and I've just never seen what is the attraction of watching cars go around in a circle. Please explain that to me. Well, and that's why I think ultimately the sport is in deep trouble because they can't get young, uh, less attentive sports fans to tune into it. Now, to me, the attraction when I started covering it a couple of years ago was some of the great personalities, uh, Tony Stewart. Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, Jeff Gordon is now gone. So some of the big personalities, and I think Tony Stewart is probably the biggest of them, mm-hmm. the fights after the track, a lot of the docking for position and wrecks, and a lot of that stuff has disappeared. A lot of the personality has disappeared. And what you're seeing now is a lot of corporate sponsor machine soundbite guys. A lot of cool six or seven sponsors in every soundbite. They're not mixing it up. They're not socially, um, in terms of social media as relevant. I see what you're saying about sitting there watching a three and sometimes four hour race where they're just making turns. But uh, I, I think they have to probably find a way to shorten those races and up the excitement to have any prayer of attracting a new fan base. Which, let's be clear. I don't think they can do. I don't think they can get the young sports fans and attract a new fan base. Maybe Bubba Wallace can help them do that because you've got LeBron and Steph Curry and guys talking about the sport. I'm doubtful. I think more people fall in your camp. Yeah, I I, I think so, which is kind of unfortunate given, given the history of it and, and what it has meant to people. But yeah, well, not everything lasts forever. Speaking of things that don't last forever, uh, the, the National League's uh, drawing the line in the sand on the designated hitter. And now it looks like they're going to come back. Baseball's going to come back and everybody's going to get the designated hitter. 
Yeah, the designated hitter is one of the big changes as part of the 60-game sprint to the finish season. We're going to see start actually one month from today, which is hard to believe. These yeah, guys really are going to get in the right kind of shape in a month. But the, the universal DH will be there this season. And from what I'm being told from my baseball contacts, they think that is a reality moving forward forever in Major League Baseball, that we can pretty much have the interesting tweaks there. Extra inning games this year, they will start with a runner on second base in order to avoid those 13 games. That's going to be kind of cool. Now, I don't think that'll last forever. That'll just be an experiment. But some of the other tweaks will be fascinating, too. Uh, managers will not be able to argue with players within six feet. So do they, do they stop when they're six feet? not argue? Um, you cannot spit, so you cannot have tobacco on the baseball field, which is a real positive development. I think you will see tobacco completely disappear from the sport. These guys are going to play an entire season without it, but it's going to be a really interesting season. And COVID may wreck all these plans because we've seen a lot of guys testing positive the more they begin to work out together. But, hey, they screwed this up. Baseball yeah. should have been playing right now and should have been in the center of the sports spotlight in this country. But the owners and the players tripped out of the gate, stumbled their way into a deal. And let's just hope they can salvage this 60-game season. Because if they don't, that sport is also, like NASCAR, fading from our memories. It is. Another sport that should be out there, although I realize some people won't argue it's a sport, it's my excuse to day drink and drive a golf cart, is golf. Uh, And I still can't believe it is the ultimate in social distancing as a sport, and yet we have seen very little of it. Yeah, I was surprised that golf took off as much time as they did. Now, they returned with that uh, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, uh, Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods match made for TV, which was actually terrific TV courtesy Phil Mickelson. But we have seen a couple of tournaments, and they are returning to some sense of normalcy. I think golf maybe should have taken off a few weeks, but I think it works well. I was surprised that golf was canceled in small towns across the country. I live in a town where people could not golf, and it seems like if you don't pin, it is the ideal. So there's some interaction between you and a caddy, but as long as you test it, you should be fine. Golf is back, and they are returning to what it looks like. Schedule. I can't tell you why it's not as exciting. I've watched a couple of tournaments since they've come back, and it, the, the role of the crowd played a bigger role than we right. realized. I, I mean, you're just not feeling that excitement. But look, if you get Tiger Woods competing on a Sunday for a major tournament or even a um, even a middle tournament, then you're going to have that excitement come back. If you get a Tiger and a Spieth and a McElroy in contention on a Sunday, people have not been watching the numbers. I thought they would. That's why baseball really screwed up. And basketball, the NBA has a huge opportunity to take all those sports fans and really get them to return to the NBA because that's that's the big one that comes back soon. 
Yeah, I, I'm, and you know, I, I, I never have been a, a big sports guy. I, I try to pay attention to the bottom, but I just, I, I, it's not something I grew up with, uh, growing up in Dubai. And, and even I'm like, man, I just want to watch a college football game. I, I want to watch something on TV. Uh, I want to watch something other than this, this woman who I, I saw you tweeted it out too that, uh, telling everyone she doesn't wear underwear, so she's not going to wear a mask. <laughs> there's, there's got to be something other than the crazy people to watch. Yeah, there, there is a lot of crazies out there. And I'm, you talk about college football and the NFL. Those are the two that really people need back in their life. And you live in the hotbed of college football. That's the one I'm worried about actually the most, there because mm-hmm. you've seen that region blowing up in terms of the COVID numbers. And you look at schools like LSU, the defending national champion, 30-plus players tested positive. Clemson, more than 20 Texas more than 15. So these programs are turning up large numbers of positive tests. And how do you argue that these kids who aren't being paid turn to the football field and risk, in some cases, uh, acquiring COVID? I think that sport, they're going to really have a hard time justifying it, in particular down there in the Southeast region where the numbers are off the charts, unfortunately. You know, being a native of Louisiana, the research shows that alcohol kills the virus within about five seconds. And, and it's it's shocking to me that so many LSU players got it, given the amount of alcohol on that campus. Not that I know from personal experience, but it just, it's just it's stunning to me. And, yeah, I, I think there's going to be a problem with the SEC, given the, the rates we're seeing in the, the South. I mean, Georgia, South Carolina, Florida, Louisiana, just it's, it's crazy. And now, of course, they made the stupid decision to add non-Southeast teams to the SEC, and we're going to see Missouri and Texas have problems too. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be difficult. You talk about drinking. I mean, LSU's not just a defending chance. They are number one in the nation in beers per capita at college football games. Yes. So they are number one on the uh, Dave, I, I, I think we completely lost the cell phone connection there. Uh-oh. Um... Yeah. Oh, well, we're going to try this again because Dave brings me up to speed. Y'all, again, uh, I'm just asking you for a little grace. We've had all sorts of technical difficulties here between the phone systems and everything else. Uh, So my apologies, uh, but that was good. And yeah, Dave is right. Given the flare up in the southeast, um, it is, man, we're going to have all sorts of problems here in the south. So uh, I really want college football back. And I know the rest of you do, too. I really do like his opinion on things. Eric Erickson, the information you need and the truth you demand. He tells it like it is. Live every weekday. Oh, technology is grand until it doesn't work. All sorts of phone problems out there today. Uh, We've had phone line problems galore. Uh, We will get Dave back, though. Uh, And and we we don't want to, we we certainly don't want to have to rely on European soccer to keep us excited for sports. We really don't. I want to go to Senator Tim Scott. Senator Tim Scott uh, is still trying to advance his police reform bill, and it appears that it is dead. Uh, The Democrats have decided that they don't want to vote for it because they see the polling disadvantage that GOP has, and they've decided that if they don't make any progress with the GOP, they can keep things riled up and then potentially, 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 they can take back the United States Senate 
and do whatever they want. Let me tell you what the biggest threat is. The biggest threat is that this Republican Party keeps showing up and delivering. I've got 12 more pages to go. It's like being at church with the third closing. <laughs> Literally, I've got 12 more pages of accomplishments to talk about. I'm not going to talk about it. Don't look relieved. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just here to tell you that if we're going to be serious about criminal justice reform, and we passed it with the House, the Senate, and the White House in the hands of Republicans. We passed criminal justice reform to make up for the Democrat bill, the 1994 crime bill, that locked up disproportionately African-American men. The Republican Party passed criminal justice reform. They did. Uh, lowest unemployment in the black community ever. Um, highest employment of the black community ever, criminal justice reform, and they've got police reform. Now, Senator Scott from Florida had this to say. In Detroit. Uh, nope, sorry, this the wrong one, mislabeled. This is Tim Scott as well. Or, uh, yeah, Tim Scott as well. In Detroit, Atlanta, Minneapolis, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, all these cities could have banned chokeholds themselves. They could have increased the police reporting themselves. They could have more data information themselves. They could have de-escalation training themselves. They could have duty to intervene themselves, Minneapolis as well. All these communities have been run by Democrats for decades. Decades. What is the ROI for the poorest people in this nation? And I don't blame them. I blame an elite political class with billions of dollars to do whatever they want to do and look at the results for the poorest, most vulnerable people in our nation. I'm willing to compete for their vote. Are you? It really is striking how the Democrats have just refused to do anything because they want it as a political issue. Now, I mean, this is something that that happens. This is something that uh, we would expect. Uh, it's a political issue, but it's only June, and they had the opportunity to make real reform and chose not to. They wanted to kill it uh, because they don't want Republicans to get credit for it. They are more concerned about credit than they are actually uh, seeing anything beneficial come out of this. And I, I would say that's problematic. I, I would say there's a real concern among uh, citizens in this country that there could potentially be some real police reform, and yet it's being blocked for political reasons. But to Tim Scott's point he just made, they don't need Congress to do this. You don't need Congress to do any of this. They could do it themselves. They, they could do it themselves. These cities could do it themselves. Democrat-run cities could do police reform themselves, and they've chosen not to do it. Democrat-run cities have the potential to alter their policing structures, and they're not. In fact, they're saying, oh, no, Congress got to do that. Congress got to do that. No, they, they could do it themselves. But you see, the problem is they can't actually do it, and the reason they can't actually do it is because uh, activists in those cities – 
really do want to defund the police. The Democrats are saying, no, it's not really about defunding. It's about reprioritizing. But no, no, the activists want it done. The activists want it done. Y'all, I want to tell you before I get out of here today, it is June 25th. You have five days. If you want into the payroll protection program, uh, you need to go to firstlibertyga.com and you need to apply online at First Liberty Building and Loan. They're in Noonan. They are local. I know the family, the Frost family. They've been doing this since 1993. Uh, And they want to help you get into the program. They can't guarantee it. And I got to tell you, they are saying it is a pain in the butt. Uh, that there are backlogs with the, the um, Small Business Administration. It takes a long time, and, and on it goes. But as long as your application's in by the 30th, there's money available still in the Payroll Protection Program if you want to get in. You've got to go to firstlibertyga.com. Firstlibertyga.com is their website. You will see an Apply Now button on the website. Apply online. Get your payroll proof in order. You got to show your your estimated quarterly filings, things like that, to show your payroll, and they'll help you get into the program. Again, they can't guarantee it, but they want to help you, uh, and they've had great success. And I know many of you have been frustrated. I've heard from you that you applied and it took forever, and you hadn't gotten it. And some of you are starting to get it, and that's not them. That's the Small Business Administration. But as long as you apply by the thirtieth, they can help you wind your way through the bureaucracy. So go to FirstLibertyGA.com and apply now.